Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are a good father. Now, I'll be honest, I feel very powerless to, to show that to people because I know there are many in this building who do not believe that because of their suffering, um, who do not uh, even know that uh, because of um, just not seeing you and maybe being raised with some stories or just going to church, but to, to know you as a personal uh, father or in a real relationship, that's just, um, that's just something they've totally checked out of. There are others that have had uh, their daddy issues, as we might call them, and so just the, even uh, the statement of, of you as father or, or dad uh, is, is troubling. Um, and, and then just the, the worries um, and the, the drives of our heart, drives for other things, other possessions, other relationships uh, that we believe will really fulfill us. So I, and I feel powerless. The truth is I am powerless. Uh, so nothing that uh, I say or, or we say uh, is really impactful. It's only your Holy Spirit. So our prayer is that uh, uh, by your power, uh, things would be pushed aside uh, around our heart and our hearts would be open to hear from your word uh, and hear us trying to share uh, what you can do for us, what you have done for us, what you will do for us. Uh, and it's all in Jesus Christ. So I pray we would know it more, that how much you love us and what you have done for us and that you are a good, good father, uh, regardless of sickness, regardless of bankruptcy, regardless of divorce, uh, regardless of special needs children, uh, regardless of relationship breakdown, regardless of affairs, uh, regardless of thoughts of suicide, regardless of very dark things uh, that both dwells in us and the enemy pushes upon us. May we claim your power now and know you as Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all. <clears throat> Y'all can have a seat. Thank you again to our worship team using your gifts to lead us in worship. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can open it to 1 Peter chapter 4. Towards the back. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles on the table in the back. I'm also going to read a passage out of Mark 9 uh, here in a moment, but we're primarily going to be 1 Peter 4. Because you may know this, you may not, this fall up through, up through Thanksgiving, uh, we've been in this series called In Not Of, and it's really for us as Christians, uh, or if you are thinking about being Christian or even think that you are a Christian or say that you're a Christian, how we would live in this world, like how to live. Because First Peter is really a, a treatise uh, for folks to live in the world but not be of it. Uh, now, I have heard that phrase uh, often in my life that we're called to live in the world yet not be of it. I've always found it as a, a negative, as in... I can't do some of the things that I want to do, so it's a, it's a negative thing that uh, we're isolated, uh, we have uh, uh, people mock us for our faith, uh, we can't go to certain parties, 
Uh, we can't drink as much as we want. Uh, I've had that thought. We, uh, we can't do the things. I'm going to be honest today, okay? Uh, we can't do the things we would want. It's just like, God, it's just, you know, you've got to suffer through this deal, you know, until we reach glory. And what I've tried to do, and maybe not been successful, who knows, but turn that upside down, because uh, really it should be turned upside down each and every Sunday, not just in a, a series, that it is a positive and not a negative. The reason it's a positive is because we're part of something bigger and greater uh, and more fulfilling uh, than anything that the world could give us. Uh, and we have not only hope in life eternally, but life now. Uh, we're talking specifically today on something we all go through, and that's suffering. And so this would be the biggest challenge. I mean, how would you make suffering, which is very, 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 very much uh, a negative in the world's eyes, in our own eyes? Uh, and as I said last week, we, we kind of hinted on this, uh, but we've got profound mass suffering just right here. We don't have to live uh, in, a, in a country well, with famine, flooding, war-torn. I mean, we've got profound suffering in hearts that are really deep, okay? And we have profound suffering in the body, you know, physically. So we would see that as a negative. How, how do you make suffering into a positive? That's pretty crazy. Well, that's what this passage is going to tell us, okay? So let's read 1 Peter 4 and go through verse, uh, or from verse 12 to 19. 1 Peter 4. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will and trust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. All right, I want to break those verses down, but before I do, I want to say this. I really want you all to hear me on this, okay? Uh, Each and every Sunday, uh, in every heart here, my heart, uh, elders' hearts, for those of you who don't know, we're elder-led have two other elders, uh, one of which I think is here today. In every member heart and every visitor heart, every Sunday, could be every day, but definitely every Sunday at church, uh, a war is being fought. A war is being fought in my heart. A war is being fought in your heart. I'm going to call this war a glory war. A glory war is being waged. Okay, And here's how that war, that battle happens. Are you going to look to the glories of 
created things or the glory of your creator? The glory of things that we really cherish versus the glory of Christ. That's the bottom line. That war is happening right now. Let me break it down to you a little bit more, okay? Uh, For those who are single, let's say a single girl is here. The battle is waged for the glory of that that special young man who is going to make everything perfect one day. Or a single young lady. Versus the glory of Christ and what he's done for you. Uh, For our our youth that are here, uh, our minds, or your minds, your minds can be caught up in the glory of, well, this can be adults too, Facebook, Twitter. uh, Actually, I think Snapchat is is the coolest uh, for our high school students. Uh, Or some, you know, just the most current, I don't know, Xbox or video game. It's glorious, you know, versus the glory of Christ and what he's done. That battle is being fought right now. Uh, For a wife, uh, the glory of, of one day, the marriage is going to be solid. You know, one day the marriage is going to rock. One day he's going to, he's going to fit the bill. One day he's going to change. Versus the glory of what Christ has done. Glory of us men. Battle's being fought right now. The glory of that shotgun. You know, we're going to get out. Or that rifle, I guess, in deer season. Forgive me as a novice. That glory of a car, uh, that glory of a home, that glory of a perfect yard, uh, that glory of the cubs or the bulldogs or the rebels, God help us, or, you know, or the tigers or whatever, or just the weekend in Oxford or the weekend in Startville or the weekend wherever, or Roll Tide or the glory of whatever. Glory of a promotion, glory of a dream vacation, versus the glory of what Jesus has done for you. This battle is being fought every Sunday. And it is a battle because there is a real enemy who is called over and over again in Scripture a liar, the liar, the deceiver, who wants to deceive us. Oh, and I even forgot about kind of the explicit sins. You know, I mean, the man who, the glory of nearly daily diving into the darkness of porn. Not even talking about, these are, I just talked about the good things. Talk about the bad stuff. There's an enemy that drives all that. And then there's some that say, well, man, I mean, I guess there's a battle, but you know what? Because of my illness, because of my cancer, because of my depression, uh, because uh, people have stabbed me in the back over and over again and I have no trust, uh, because God really doesn't reveal himself to me, and thanks, by the way, I'm just here for a couple friendships and maybe the building's nice, and come on, man, I need to get some lunch, okay? So I know, because I used to say that, 
and you're like, man, I really doubt that glory of Christ. And because of my suffering, I really doubt that he's a good father. And, oh, by the way, I haven't just quit reading my Bible. I never started that stupid Rise with God plan you always throw out. You didn't today, okay? Oh, and by the way, church, I mean, I'll come again, but singing, I mean, give me a break. Thank God it's football season that, you know, got the rest of the day. I mean, nobody would admit that. Some of you might, actually. Uh, That is happening. Now, don't take my word for it. Here's where I want to read Mark 9. Mark 9, 30 through 37, okay? Don't take my word for that. This glory war that's happening. Again, the glory of whatever it is that fulfills you versus the glory of Christ. Mark 9, verse 30, read through verse 37, look at this. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. And Jesus did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and were afraid to ask him. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Uh, You may have read this passage before. Here's what I want to draw your attention to. He just told them that he would die for them. And immediately afterwards, they're arguing about who's the greatest. Uh, That is happening right now. Uh, You're like, well, Jesus isn't here. Well, his Holy Spirit, I believe, uh, tells us uh, in the presence, you see the cross, uh, what he has done. We don't argue about who's the greatest. I mean, we would never want to look too high and mighty. But in our hearts, uh, we wonder, we think about it, and there are obviously back channels, you know, that we can gossip about who's better. The glory war is happening right now, and it happens every Sunday. Now, I call it a glory war, because in this passage in First Peter, back there, uh, the word glory is used three times. And actually, if you do read your Bibles, uh, it often talks about glory. Today's Rise with God reading, Hebrews 1, talks about the glory of God. And I would challenge you, if you do read your Bible, I mean, see how often glory is used. But... In the passage that we're looking at, there are three things that we can see about the glory. There's the glory that we see, the glory that we have, the glory that we show. And this ties to suffering. Say it again. The glory that we can see in suffering. The glory that we can have in suffering. The glory that we can show in suffering. It's right here. 
The glory that we see, and, and many of us, and, and me too, takes a while to really see this. But it's, it's kind of the main point. It should be the main point of every sermon. It should be the main point of our life. Uh, the cross. The cross. That Jesus suffered a lot more than any of us ever will. And he did it for you. If you don't see that glory, you're not going to ever live for that glory. And you've got to see it. I mean, not just live. I mean, you gotta, the penny has to drop. The glory that we can have. Romans 8, 28, I always say, no accents in Christianity. For those who are in Christ, all things work together for good. Those who are in him and called according to his purpose. So everything is used. And then the glory that we can show, often the greatest witness, the greatest testimony, the greatest example is one walking in suffering, glorifying in Christ. It says it specifically in the Bible, Colossians, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, let's get into this, this passage. Brief couple verses, but some stuff I wanted to share, okay? First Peter 4, back to it. And remember, glory that we see, glory that we have, glory that we show. Uh, first, verse 12, it says, Do not be surprised at the fiery trial. I want to highlight that word, surprised, okay? Don't be surprised when you suffer. Uh, I don't like it. Look, let me just go ahead and say, I don't like to suffer. Uh, I want it good. I want it easy. I mean, I want me, okay? I want the most pleasure I can get out of life and no hell, okay? And that's it. And yet, that is not uh, the script for my life. I already discovered that. And it's not the script for your life. Peter says, don't be surprised. And often... We are surprised when we suffer. I mean, man, like why, why is it so hard, you know, in, in marriage? Why is it so hard being a pastor? I mean, aren't I like called, you know, or all Christians are called? Man, I mean, why is it, why is it so tough? Relationships, you know, it's broken. Why is, why is it so hard suffering? Don't be surprised at the fiery trial. I think often we're surprised, and I would put me in this camp too, is because of, let me just say this really clearly and squarely, bad teaching, which ties into bad theology. Theology is not too deep of a word, okay? We don't check out. Theology is like how you think about God. And the bad teaching is, and I'm not just talking about your best life. Now, I'm talking about me too here. The majority... Of us pastors, because, you know, let me give you a little secret. We want you to like us, okay? A little secret there. And for you to like us, you know, we got to kind of roll out, I mean, something good. and You know, a good palate, good, good present, you know, like good news. And it is good news. But often it's some kind of version of, <laughs> I'm not knocking, uh, Osteen, but, you know, he came up with a book, you know, Best Life Now, you know. So it's some kind of version on that. And those usually are the ones we get the best feedback on. I mean, I know. And it's bad teaching that if we don't, if we don't correct, rectify that and leads to bad theology and, and leads to a surprise when suffering. It leads to then serious doubt about God and, and not being able to walk through a fiery trial. 
And, and it leads to real crises of faith. And I've seen that. I see it now in some folks. So that's one reason that we get surprised. But I want us to see this too, that suffering happened then. Uh, if you've been with us, you know, the whole letter of 1 Peter is written to Christians in Rome that were experiencing severe suffering, you know, being killed, martyred in bad ways, not to get too graphic. And Peter also was martyred. Uh, you know, history shows he was crucified upside down. You know, not a, not a good way to go. Uh, now, uh, we have our suffering. I mean, physical sickness, uh, emotional instability, relational breakdown, um, addictions, anxiety, uh, depressions, I mean, sadness. I mean, all, all of it. Got plenty. And he says, don't be surprised. Verse 13, it says, instead, rejoice. I know, crazy, right? Don't be surprised, rejoice. Insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may rejoice and be glad when his, what word is that? When his, look at your Bible. Thank you, Neil. I want other people to say, what's that word? Glory. Glory, thank you. When his glory is revealed. When his glory is revealed. This is the glory that we can see. The glory that you need to see. You're like, how do I see that glory? One, it's that Christ suffered. I mean, this is why I pray this. It's impossible for me. I mean, I can't, yes, I can try to impress it, but but Jesus suffered for you, for you. Uh, In your shame, uh, in your, you know, uh, partying, uh, in your uh, corruption, in your, uh, in your perfection, always trying to do it right. Jesus suffered for you. Jesus died on the cross for, for you. I'm trying to push past the Sunday school uh, story. Jesus did that for you. And it was a lot more than, than any of our sufferings, okay? That's the glory in the past. The glory in the present that you could see is every... If, you're, if you believe that, then, then every iota of your life is used by God. It's not an opinion. It's just what I see over and over again in the Bible. Uh, From testimonies to verses. Everything, everything is used by God. Mistakes, failures. It's all orchestrated, connected, tied together. You ask me, you know, how does it look? I don't know that. There is a mystery there. But it's clear that that's what happens. And one thing I do know, the glory of the future that's revealed too. Uh, Who thinks here... Sure, raise hand. Who thinks here that Peter lived? Peter, who wrote this. Who thinks that, I mean, simple question. Did Peter live? I see one hand, only one person. Did Peter live? Please, anyway. Okay, several hands. Thank you, okay. I believe Peter lived. I just told you how Peter died, okay? Now then, if you believe in Jesus, then Peter has lived at least 2,000 more years, okay? Like, like if you look at it in a biblical sense, Peter's been alive there, but then 2,000 years plus. And who knows what he's been up to? Seriously, who knows if he hasn't helped you? Now, man, what are you talking about? Talk about the resurrected life. Uh, and yes, we're outside of time, but Peter is alive. And so there's glory. I mean, we are in the here and now, and man, is he going to give me... 40 years or 50 years and 
Lord willing, 85 years of the most pleasure imaginable and no hell, okay? We don't know that, but I do know if you're a Christian, it's eternal. And so for Peter, in earthly time, he's had 2,000 more years, you know, added on to whatever it was, probably 60-ish before he got crucified. That's That's glorious to me. I mean, I'm glad I got thousands of years left. Who knows what we will do? Who knows what you will do? And you got to see that. If you want to go through suffering, deal with you got to see that. You got to see it. Uh, moving on. Peter says, if you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of, what's that word again? Stay with me. Glory rests upon you. Here Peter specifies if you suffer because you're a Christian, if you suffer because of your beliefs, if you get excluded, if you get mocked, if you, if you get left out because you're a Christian. He says the glory of the Spirit is on you, like stays on you. Let me give you an example of this, okay? My life. I'm going to get a little open here. Some of you may be, man, that's kind of too open. Sorry, but this is it. Uh, way, way, way before I was a pastor, emphasize that, way, way, way before I was a pastor, uh, I had another life. I worked in Washington, D.C., okay? And I've talked about that now. Let me just say that because he wasn't a Christian. But a, a dear friend who had said that um, he was at best agnostic, you know, at worst atheist, and uh, we were, were good friends, dear friends, uh, still are, and one night, um, and you know, again, we were, we were out, and um, you know, being honest, pretty, pretty wasted, liquored up, you know, straddling the fence, all that, but he did say, he said, man, you have something I don't have. Now think about that, and even in, so I'm using this, here's, I was very immature, in my faith, very immature, was not living the right way. I did have faith, was trying to grow it. I do believe that the Spirit of God rested on me, as it does every Christian. And when you make a statement of saying, you know, this is, this is, you know, how I live. This is what I'm going to do. It does have an impact regardless of what you may see or think. And one day, it will be revealed. And so some things that I shared made an impact on that person and I hope continues to. And the same can be said for you. And you're like, well, how is it? The spirit of glory rests upon you. You have to believe that as you walk. Even in, we got, and the reason I say that is because a lot of y'all are exactly like me right at that time. I did not want to stay there. I did not want you to stay there. You are straddling the fence. You say you're a Christian. And I'm not questioning your faith. I am questioning that, you know, the choices that I made did not help. So straddling the fence did not help my marriage. Uh, straddling the fence, you know, with alcohol, uh, you know, probably led for me always wanting a stimulant of some sort to this day, okay? So just being clear there that I don't glorify that life at all. Now, Moving forward, I do glorify the God that worked through that, even in 
place of darkness, place of not living as I should. God even worked in. Let me close this up real quick, okay? Going down, last thing, glory you see, right? Glory that you have, and then the glory that you show. Verse 16. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Now, big question. How do you glorify God in suffering? Big question. A lot of y'all want to know. A lot of y'all are suffering. How do you glorify God? How do you do that? It's actually pretty simple. You rewind. You have to see the glory that you can see. You got to know the glory that rests on you. Trust in that. And you'll glorify God. Say it again. How do you glorify God in your suffering? You got to see the glory revealed. What I just talked about. What Jesus did for you. What you have in store for your future. You got to know the glory that rests upon you. If you get those two, if you get those two, it's real important. You will glorify God in your suffering. It's not an act of will. Okay? Hear me on that. It's not an act of effort. So I just want to do good. I just want to, you know, no, no, no. See, Jesus died for you, what all he gave. See the life that you have in him. See the spirit resting. If you, if you get that, okay, believe in it, see, see it, then you will, you're like, does it just happen? Yeah. Yeah. Through the Holy Spirit, not of works, effort. And then, last thing. I'm going to skip down. Last thing, verse 19. Let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Suffer according to God's will. Pretty pretty challenging phrase there, okay? Uh, And that can be uh, argued about, or that can cause doubt, like, so it's God's will that I suffer this way? It's God's will that I'm sick? It's God's will that... You know, this happened in relation. It's God's will. You're telling me that? Here's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you Romans 8, 28. All things, not some, not a few, not most, if you're a Christian, okay? All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All things, all things. There are no accidents in Christianity. If you're a Christian, you know, I don't know where some of your hearts are. Uh, the world is broken. Uh, we see it broken in every, uh, from the smallest cell uh, to the largest hurricane. There's brokenness. We're still, I always call it, we live in the already, Jesus already saved it, and the not yet. Not all things have been restored. We're in that, in those middle couple thousand years, okay? One day we'll, we will have perfect bodies. One day everything will be restored. And so right now, we can trust in him, but then also know that he is our faithful creator. You know, I had a thought, you know, the Bible says, you know, God knows your name. So then I thought about, and he does, the Bible says that. So then God put John Hugh Tate Jr., Logan Joshua Tate, Ethan James Tate, somewhere in our minds. That ha- somewhere that happened, because God knew that name before. And we name them, and he still knows their name. That's a small, small example about, because if, if we believe the Bible that he knows your name, then somehow that thought came into being in, in our minds, mine and my wife's, and 
we named them, but God already knew the name. My point in that is a lot of the things that you know, we think are our, our own, even our own ideas, are God's ideas. And I use that in the sense of even suffering is that we can trust. We can trust in the Lord. That he has a will and a purpose for your life. For our suffering. Last thing I would say, I talked about glory. Glory. Look again at the cross. We're about to take communion together. Which Jesus said, do as often to remember what he has done for us. Jesus Christ suffered more than any of us ever will. Ever will. It was not without purpose. It was for you. It was, it was for you that you would have life. That you would be saved. That you would save, be saved from yourself. You've got to see that. And it's got to be more than, yeah, yeah, I got it. No, some of you don't. I see how you walk. We need the church. We need this community. Those of y'all as members and visitors, because we walk together through suffering. It's a reason the church is God's plan A and there's no plan B. That we don't have to suffer alone. And all the weight is not on a husband or a wife or kids. We walk together. Need that. But it should point us to Jesus and say there's so much more than the brokenness we have. It is because we're in a broken world, broken election, okay? Broken. But but what's most important is what he has done for you. If you see that, if you know what rests upon you, you will you'll glorify him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, may we glorify you for that to happen. May we see what you've done, what you will do for us. May we know The spirit of glory rests upon us. And may we do so, may we glorify you in small, simple, and great acts for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.